Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. The January 6th insurrection widened the fissures between Republicans and Democrats in Arizona's congressional delegation. It's a phenomenon that's playing out across the country. And even as President Joe Biden is calling for national unity, both sides seem farther apart than ever. Over the past three months, we've seen Arizona's congressional delegation, made up of 11 members, ditching areas where they had collaborated on in the recent past. They're taking to social media to further stoke partisan divisions. And in the era of COVID, regular delegation gatherings that one member had tried to kickstart are no longer taking place. In today's episode, we'll break down how the split is impacting our delegation's ability to represent Arizonans. Okay, so Yvonne, this is a subject that is playing out across the country, and we've spent some time documenting what's been going on with Arizona's delegation. And this is that post-January 6th hangover where we see both parties sort of still in combat mode. Um, Give us a sense of of what you've seen and and what to make of it. So one of the things that I think we really found through our reporting is that really in the weeks since this riot, um, some are just really specifically blaming Congressman Paul Gosar and Andy Biggs for really sort of leading what became an insurrection and for some members is just completely unforgivable until these uh, folks are held accountable, whatever that may end up meaning. So All of Arizona's Democratic House members, according to our reporting, at least for now, are completely unwilling to work on some issues along with their Republican colleagues. They view these people as complicit in undermining public confidence in the presidential election. And, you know, they're sort of hesitant to talk about the post-insurrection dynamics publicly and candidly. Um, But we found various instances in our sort of review of legislation and through interviews of ways that they used to work collaboratively before January 6th and ways that they're not working as collaboratively now. The dynamics were really laid bare uh, with a flurry of letters that came from our members of Congress when it came to vaccine allocations for the COVID-19 pandemic. Our members pretty much have the same message, but they were using a lot of different voices as a way to sort of express it. What happened there, Ron? Yeah, this one was kind of striking. So the delegation, basically every member agreed they wanted 300,000 additional vaccines uh, to help combat the pandemic, but it took them at least five letters to be able to get through that one request, and they send it to multiple places over multiple days. So we saw where Kirsten Cinema began this, and we also saw a separate letter by the House Democrats, not including Greg Stanton, who wrote his own letter. 
And then the House Republicans sent another letter. Uh, and then Mark Kelly joined with Kirsten Cinema on another letter for that included both senators. If that sounds a little bit confusing, that's because it is. They all agreed on basically the same thing, and they wanted it in the same time frame. And yet, because this delegation is just kind of not working collaboratively enough at the moment, they couldn't agree on just one letter to one place at one time. There was another issue where this fracture really sort of has exposed itself, and this is the downwinders issue. So a long time ago, seven decades ago, there was a nuclear explosion in Nevada, and a lot of Americans were exposed to cancer-causing radiation. This is an issue that really has affected Southern Nevada and Northern Arizona. And Northern Arizona is the area represented by Congressman Paul Gosar. In years past, he has worked with Greg Stanton on issues affecting these folks, and they specifically want um, compensation expanded for some of these people who may have been exposed to these terrible chemicals, terrible things, but have not yet really been made whole by the government. So two years ago, these congressmen were both part of a bill to help the downwinders. But after the riot, Dan decided to go ahead and move this bill all on his own, a bill that presumably would affect the very people living in Congressman Paul Gosar's district. In turn, Congressman Gosar introduced his own bill to try to help these people. So here we have another very clear-cut example of two congressmen who once worked very closely on an issue and presumably are pretty friendly outside of Congress, working separately and apart on an issue that really has big consequences for some of these families. And I think one of the things that we're going to be watching for over the next year is to see just how far some members um, who you would maybe expect to be um, pretty partisan in their approaches to um, people or legislation, how far they're willing to go to sort of extend an olive branch to these people before they are held accountable, whatever that might mean. So we have an example where Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly, two U.S. senators from Arizona, are actually working alongside Paul Gosar. Yeah, so Paul Gosar is somebody who is often in the news and usually for things that are divisive or controversial or even uh, subject him to ridicule. But one of the underappreciated things about him throughout his congressional career is that he has found a reasonably decent amount of cross-party interest in his bills. And Kirsten Cinema, when she was in the House, was one of the leading people to co-sponsor bills that Paul Gosar had introduced. That has extended since she's joined the Senate. And so here she is trying to work with him on this La Paz economic development matter and continuing to try and work productively even after this explosive event on January 6th. At least one House Democrat, Pramila Jayapal of Washington, has formally requested an ethics investigation of Paul Gosar 
because of his uh, advocacy of uh, stopping the steal and trying to get people to buy into the idea that the election was stolen, though it's been shown again and again in court and elsewhere that there is no basis for that. Here's Kirsten Cinema trying to work with Gosar even after these kinds of allegations have really sort of brought the delegation uh, into an unwanted spotlight at times. For his part, Gosar has not backed away from any of his allegations and uh, the divisions that have been on display for some time now uh, just are kind of lingering there. Another member of our delegation in the House, Representative Ann Kirkpatrick, is another Democrat who has worked with Gosar even more often than Kirsten Cinema. But she made no bones about it when we talked to her about this, that basically she's not willing to work with him at the moment because there needs to be consequences for what happened on the 6th. So, you know, after and leading up to the insurrection on January 6th, it was becoming increasingly problematic to work with fringe alt-right members of Congress. Uh, and so it's just, it's not productive or effective for my office to cooperate with those who are aligned with policies that undermine democracy, promote conspiracy theories, and who put a person like Donald Trump over hardworking Arizonans. So if we're seeing this kind of attitude from somebody who has worked with Gosar in the past from Ann Kirkpatrick, why is it that Senator Sinema is still willing to do so? Yvonne, what are, what's different about the Senate? Well, it's not just Senator Sinema. It's also Senator Mark Kelly, who signed on to this bill um, alongside Sinema uh, that would essentially do the same thing that Gosar is asking for in the House. They both are trying to uh, really sort of walk this tightrope of being willing to be open to working with people from the other party to advance the interests of Arizonans with um, sort of this pressure from the left to really sort of freeze these guys out until accountability happens. We know, at least in the case of Senator Cinema, she goes to very great lengths to um, sort of extend olive branches and keep an open door, particularly and probably especially with members of Congress who she may not agree with. We saw this during her time down at the state legislature when she and then Senate President Russell Pierce, uh, author of Senate Bill SB 1070, Arizona's Immigration Law, um, you know, they were at polar opposites on this issue, but she kept an open mind. The two became friends. She really sort of tries to find common ground, even with people who she fundamentally, fundamentally politically disagrees with. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this relationship uh, with Mark Kelly, I think, plays out. One of the things that we found so interesting in reporting the story was um, information he just sort of offered up in the days after the riot. And I asked him, like, do you think you will be able to work with people who may have participated in stoking the emotions surrounding this event? People like Paul Gosar, people like Andy Biggs, people who voted to set aside uh, the electoral results, and you know, including David Schweikert and Debbie Lesko. And he sort of did a long wind up. And then he eventually said, you know, not right now. 
one of the other things that he said was, you know, the other day I ended up on a plane sitting next to Andy Biggs. I'd never met the guy before. We ended up having a nice chat. Here you have two people serving together in a club of 11 representing the state of Arizona who had not met each other. The only reason they ended up meeting each other was because their folks, their aides, happened to book seats on the same flight, probably in the same aisle. Yeah, you've got in Andy Biggs, one of the more ideological members of Congress from either side. This is someone who has not pulled together uh, a history of drawing much interest in his proposed bills from Democrats historically and is unaccustomed really to working across the aisle because it's not really what his intent is. He's been someone who has been sort of uh, an ideologue on the right and is unapologetically so. He maintains that he did nothing wrong in the days leading up to January 6th and doesn't really think that it's appropriate to be frozen out as a member of Congress at the moment, even though there are some who also lump him in with Paul Gosar in terms of needing consequences and wanting investigations to determine the extent of his involvement such as it was. What's interesting is that, you know, we have somebody else who is sort of the ideological equivalent of Biggs on the left and in Raul Grijalva, somebody who has not really uh, historically attracted much co-sponsorship from Republicans, who is really kind of setting an ideological pace for the left on issues, especially around the environment and social justice. Uh, Grijalva makes it pretty clear that he is not interested in working with these folks at this moment because there needs to be accountability. But Yvonne, we keep hearing that word from Democrats, there needs to be accountability. What does that mean for these folks? What, what are they holding out for? Well, I think it depends on who you talk to. I mean, some you know, might want these guys removed from office. Others might want um, hearings to get all of the information as we're, we're sort of seeing some of this play out now, get more information out about how these folks specifically participated in the in planning the protests or um, stoking the emotions uh, that helped sort of lead to the events of January 6th. For others, Accountability might just mean 2022. Take it to the voters. Let the voters um, unelect them. And, um, you know, I talked to Jim Colby. He's a former Republican congressman who um, has now turned uh, independent in the era of Trump. And, you know, what he said is back in the day, we just didn't have the issue. Sure, we were partisan, right? But we found common ground. We found um, our relationships with each other, even though we disagreed, to be the bedrock of um, the way we represented Arizona when we went to Congress. And every two weeks, they would meet Tuesday mornings. It didn't matter what you were doing. He said he always knew so-and-so was going to be late because he was at prayer uh, some prayer service. You always knew, you know, this guy was going to be a little bit late because he was meeting with the ranchers. But that 
everybody made a commitment to each other that they were going to be there so that they could adequately represent Arizona. They didn't want staff involved in these um, Arizona delegation meetings. They wanted to be able to talk to each other in an unfiltered way, look each other in the eye, talk about um, you know land swaps or water issues or immigration issues talk about what was happening down at the state legislature, talk about what was happening with the governor, just to be able to have meaningful conversations with their colleagues in a way that would produce real personal relationships that would then lead to legislating in a way that wasn't so hyper-partisan. It was a way for us to share information and to find ways to work together. That's extremely important because of a state the size of Arizona, which is dwarfed by a California or Texas or New York, uh, you really have to work together as a delegation to get things done. We were- and, you know, Colby said it was a real shame that this wasn't happening and it hasn't been happening for some time. He was heartened to hear that Debbie Lesko had sort of tried to start these gatherings again. But, um, you know, given today's political climate and given, you know, the events of January 6th, he said essentially that anybody who thinks that um, relationships couldn't have been affected by the way um, these four Republicans sort of demonstrated their own politics are delusional. He says, you know, given the division, there's a lot of scarring that has taken place and that those scars will not heal for a very long time. Okay, well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. And I'm at Yvonne Winget. Today's episode was edited and produced by Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.